Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe, but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on Welcome with the broadcast. Another update uh, for Prophecy Countdown. I'm Ken Bear, the pastor at Faith Dialogue, and uh, we provide two updates on this channel every single week um, on both our video and our audio channel on this, uh, on this site called Prophecy Countdown. On Sundays, we're presently going through the Gospel of Matthew, and as our practices, we go through the Bible uh, book by book, and then verse by verse. We're presently in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in chapter 10. In fact, this week, my, the topic of my message is from uh, chapter 10, verses 34 to 39, and the topic of my message is lose your life. Our Sunday messages premiere at 1 o'clock on Sunday, Eastern, Eastern Daylight Standard Time. On Wednesdays, our updates are always prophecy-related. Uh, that's the theme of our ministry. It's prophecy-related. We love answering questions. So if you do have a question on prophecy, anything to do with prophecy, um, you can email us at prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's how we get the questions for these Wednesday sessions of uh, Prophecy Countdown. And in fact, today we have a question that's actually uh, we've, we've done before, but it, 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 it's, uh, it's an important topic and it, and it bears uh, doing it again. Uh, this time I've got a little different slant on it. And the question is, where's America in Bible prophecy? Where's American Bible prophecy? The question came in, and that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, it, it, you can understand the question. I mean, America is this superpower, this, you know, especially in the 21st century, there's, there's no other nation like America. I'm very patriotic myself. I, I love this country. I was born in this country. My children are born in this country. My grandparents were born in this country. So we, we love this country. And we know that there are many Christian prophecy teachers, very well-meaning, that have attempted to find some references in the Bible to this great country we call the United States of America. And in a while, there are many references that I could use that they've referenced. Um, I'm just going to stick to two of them, two of them that are the most common. These are actually the most plausible references, as far as I'm concerned, of America's reference in the Bible. But we're going to take a twist on that. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. And here's you know, here's a here's the bottom line. I, I really don't believe that America is is uh, is is really found in the in the New Testament in the Bible, and there's a good reason for that. But let me go through these two popular references that we have. The first one is what I would call the eagle's wings interpretation. Eagle's wings interpretation. There's a there's a reference in the book of Revelation in chapter 12, verse 4, that says this. It says, but the woman, this is Israel talking about, was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times, a half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the prophecy of America is seen in the two wings of a great eagle. America, after all, represented as, as, a, as a large eagle. It's a symbol of the United States as the bald eagle. 
and they suggest that this, this verse, what this context is, by the way, is that during the tribulation, during the second half of the tribulation, uh, the nation of the, the Jewish people's eyes will be open. They'll understand what, who the Antichrist truly is. There'll be massive persecution, uh, a large earthquake, and the people of Israel will go into hiding. And uh, this, this is talking about that they'll be there for time and times a half a time. That's three and a half years, 42 months, exactly one half of the time of the tribulation. Now, the logic for this being America is that uh, America is the protector of Israel. It would only make sense that America would be there to, to help her. And, and the wings of an eagle, I mean, America's uh, military might is second to none. And also our Air Force, our ability to airlift a group of people uh, would, be, would be logically important at this period of time. Well, here's the thing is that this idea about the wings of, uh, of a, uh, the wings, actually wings themselves in the Bible, is often used as a symbol of protection. So most likely this, this, this idea of the wings of an eagle is symbolically talking about protection. For example, in Matthew chapter 23, this is Jesus speaking. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children to gather as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, under her wings. Jesus is talking about protection. Jesus doesn't have wings. This is a, this is a metaphor for, for protection. Um, the, New, the New Testament uses this, this imagery of a mother hen protecting her chicks. Here's, here's another reference, um, and that is um, uh, in, in, in Psalm 70, 17, verse 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. There's a beautiful song that goes with that as well. Keep me, hide me under the shadow of your wings. Again, talking about the protection that only the Lord can truly provide. So this is the this is the my summary of the eagle wings protection. I really don't see America in prophecy in this particular verse, but let's go to the second one. Perhaps this is a little closer, and I'm probably more in agreement in this uh, with those that see America in it. And this is the prophecy or the reference to the young lions. And this is the this is the chapters 38 and 39 talking about Gog and Magog and their attack on Israel. It, it's a it's a common referenced, uh, commonly referred reference to American Bible prophecy, talking about a northern army that's led by Gog and Magog invading the Holy Land. And this is what it says in Ezekiel chapter 38, starting in verse 13. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take livestock and goods, to take a great plunder? Now, the key to this, as some suggest, is this, this word Tarshish, this word Tarshish. Now, Tarshish is referenced a number of times in the Old Testament. Um, many people believe it's an ancient maritime province, uh, possibly Spain, possibly Britain. And, and the reason is, is that the Bible suggests, in fact, it tells us that Tarshish was a provider of tin. And historians can tell you that Cornwall England, on the southwest, the very corner of, of England, the, of Great Britain, was a major source of tin in Europe and also was a great uh, merchant for uh, 2,500 years, including the time that we're talking to when, about when this was written by Daniel. Um, 
Ezekiel 38 talks about Tarshish and the young lions. And the, the reference to this is that the young lions would be the offspring of Great Britain, those English-speaking countries. Um, this gets good. Uh, that includes Canada, Australia, uh, New Zealand, and of course, uh, America as well. That these, these English-speaking young lions that come out of Great Britain are, are, are uh, along with uh, Sheba and Dedan, um, are basically criticizing Gog and Magog and all the northern armies from invading uh, Israel. Now, here, here's the thing. I, the likelihood of this actually referring to, uh, to the United States is, 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 is minute. It's, it's, there's a percentage there somewhere, maybe 10, 20%. It's, it's better than your odds if you bought a, a lottery ticket, that's for sure. Uh, but, it, but it's not highly likely that America is referenced. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you this, is that what we can say is this, is that the reference here is that they are, they are uh, objecting but nobody's lifting a figure, a finger. If you read these this, these verses again, have you gathered your army? Are you going to take away silver and gold to take away livestock and goods? It isn't like that they fight against the Northern Army. Uh, they just object. It's like somebody in the United Nations just simply uh, objecting. Now, going back to the, I, I did a little uh, history, a little digging into the history of when this prophecy in uh, in Ezekiel, these verses in Ezekiel 38 and 39 started being referenced to the United States, uh, and and really the idea of uh, Tarshish being the uh, Great Britain really didn't come about until the the 19th century after it was said that the sun didn't set on the British Empire. Uh, some commentaries before that talked about Tarshish being in in Spain, uh, not in the British Empire, but Spain. Of course, Spain going back to the 14th, 15th, 16th century was a great seafaring nation. That's why half of the world speaks, uh, or half of, half of the Americas speak Spanish. Um, many people in my neighborhood speak Spanish. I live in Florida. Spanish is the common language because of the greatness of the once, uh, once great Spanish empire. But when the British Empire was at its peak in the 18th and 19th century, uh, then this phrase, uh, the, the merchants of Tarshish, started being referred to, uh, to, to England. And of course, the young lions, America, well, after World War II especially, uh, America became very dominant on the world scene. So people started tying this together. But this leads us to the second reason why well, I, I don't, I, I don't see American Bible prophecy. One, we, we have to be very careful about looking at current events or current situations and trying to, to shoehorn it into a Bible prophecy that was given to us uh, 27, 2800 years ago. We have to be careful not to disregard the originally intended audience of these, these prophecies. Uh, back when this prophecy was given, which was almost 2,600 years ago, when Ezekiel references Gog, people understand who Gog is. They understand these, these nations. In fact, they, they list some of the nations. Uh, Ezekiel references not only Gog and Magog, but Ethiopia, Persia, Libya, put all of them with shield and, and helmet, Gomer and all its troops. Well, we can research these nations, and we have a pretty good idea who they were based on what the original people that this was written to would understand those nations to be. 
and, and that's why it is. You know, even if we, uh, even if we uh, take a look at it even seriously, uh, it, take a look at uh, Sheba and Dedan. Well, Sheba and Dedan are, are real places. It's down in the very tip of, of that, that Persian triangle, down where Yemen is right now, maybe Saudi Arabia and, and Yemen, Yemen. So while there's a possibility this is speaking to the United States, again, realize that uh, nobody lifts a finger. Nobody lifts a finger to, to help Israel. Uh, during this, their time of need. Um, so here's my main point, my, my working hypothesis. Where's American prophecy? America's gone. America's not relevant, not a major player, not a bystander. Here's why. While America is certainly great, and I love this country, we have to understand that while America was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, we have departed very, very far from what our original uh, founding fathers believed about the Bible, about God, about, about their mission. You know, if you go back 300 years to the time of the pilgrims, back in the Mayflower Compact, uh, these settlers, these pilgrims expressed an intent to, uh, for the Great Commission, uh, their commitment to the Christian faith, and to be able to uh, have self-governance based on the laws of God. You know, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that today so much of the truth about the Puritans and the pilgrims has been rewritten by our secularists. I wouldn't believe anything that they're teaching these days in grade school. Our history books have been completely rewritten by secularists. Um, you know, the, the Puritans go back to the 16th century, uh, back to the time of King Henry VIII. Uh, if you know your history, King Henry VIII uh, was divorced many times. The Pope finally said, no more, you can't be divorced. He separated from, the, from Rome. Now, this was during the Protestant Reformation, so there was a lot of, a lot of momentum to, to break from Rome. But, but the Puritans and many Bible-believing be Bible Christians at the time realized that Henry VIII was not, uh, was not a devout man. Uh, that, that the Church of England hadn't gone far enough, that, that uh, they still kept much of the trappings, much of the much of what well, was a state religion. If you were in England and you were there during a, a, a Catholic monarch, you had to be Catholic. If you were there during a Protestant monarch, you had to be Protestant and the Catholics were persecuted. Well, these, these Puritans didn't like the priestly vestments, the, the stained glass windows, the, the altar, the whole priesthood. Um, they felt it distracted from the true message of the Bible. Uh, so as a result, they were separatists, and they came to America. Now, going forward, going back another 150 years from the pilgrims, we have the founding of this country in the, in the 18th century. And, you know, of the 54 signers of the Declaration, did you know that 29, 29 of the 54 were ordained ministers, more than half of them were ordained ministers. They were deeply religious men. You know, again, the secularists are telling us that the majority of the founders were deists. They don't even know what a deist is. Today, if you take a look at what the there's only a few that were true deists. And if you really take a look at what the deists believed, they were deeply religious men. They would be considered um, right there with the rest of us that, that are evangelicals today. They, they their worldview was, was typically biblical. You know, the, the founding fathers, and this was the idea, is that they had a, a Christian worldview. The single greatest influence on the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, our Bill of Rights in 1776, was this Christian world influence. Since the founding of this great, great nation, the Christian worldview has been, has been dominant. It's been in the forefront. In the Bible, we're told that the greatest evil in the world is not a foreign country, but the greatest evil is sin. 
And that resides, according to the Bible, in the heart of, of every individual. It's only the Holy Spirit that changes the heart and restrains, restrains this evil. You know, during World War II, America paid a, played a pivotal role, a very significant role in restraining evil what we know as the Axis forces, uh, Germany, Japan, and Italy. Uh, America's might help defeat the Axis powers, and it defeated their expansionist ideology. This included, at, wa at war's end, uh, the liberation of the concentration camps that the Germans, the Germans had. Remember, there were six million Jews uh, that were killed, and, and met tens of thousands more uh, of gypsies and undesirables by, by the Germans. Christians in the United States... Um, helped to restrain the evil, restrain the evil. We see this even to this day when we talk about uh, the, the, the pro-life movement and the effort to, to restrain and restrict uh, uh, abortions. Many historians believe that it was the, the Second Great Awakening uh, George Whitfield's group and everybody in the in the in the early uh, in the 19th century um, uh, that led to uh, to the this the spirit of the abolition to to, to free the slaves um, the 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 great awakening and the move towards biblical Christianity was a revival and it fostered the adoption of revitalized moral principles and among those were that all men were created equal as it said in the Declaration of Independence. You know, more, more recently, the Catholic Church has led the way, but also many, many evangelicals when it comes to the fight against abortion. Again, the Bible tells us that it's the church, the Christians, that will be the ones restraining evil. However, I, I tell you, if, if you're over 30 years of age, it's likely become apparent to you that things in America are changing and changing rapidly, rapidly. Um, Right now, we are on a, a quick march pace toward a, a godless society. And it really, if you really take a look at it, it really accelerated during the COVID-19 pandemic. To say that the COVID-19 pandemic uh, has changed America would be a, a true understatement. Uh, what's become apparent is that the, this view um, the, on what is moral, acceptable, and appropriate has, has split America radically between those that are trying to restrain evil and those that are all about embracing it. Uh, today, as a, as a culture, here in America, we celebrate homosexuality. We dedicate the entire month of June to Pride Month, to parading homosexuality. And, and we don't just parade the flags, we actually parade the, uh, the people down Main Street. We put, we take, put transvestites, men in drag, uh, uh, dressed up as hookers and drag queens, uh, people that are nearly naked and fully naked, marching down the street, and, and the people applaud. They think this is a great thing. Um, you know, tolerance has been turned on its head. We were told for many, many years that Christians needed to be more tolerant. Tolerant of what? Tolerant of sin. And I think as, as, a, as, a, as a people, we've been pretty tolerant. Um, don't bring it in my church, but if you want to live on my block, I'm not going to stop you. However, have you been asked your pronouns lately? I mean, tolerance has completely been flipped on its on, on completely upside down. Uh, what was heads is now tails. What is now tails is now heads. And as a result, those people that talked about tolerance so much for so many years are the most intolerant group we've we've ever had in America. I mean, religious liberties, you know, are are going by the wayside if they had their way. Now, again. 
Christians as a, mar as a, as a restraining force for evil is being marginalized. We're acting like, like fools. Not the Christians, but as a culture, we're acting like fools. And if you listen to what's coming out of Washington, you know, women can become men, men can now have babies, genders are no longer male and female, they, they can make up genders anytime they want to. There are dozens, perhaps hundreds of them. Uh, recently we had a male athlete, you know, that, that was 50 pounds heavier and six inches taller than the women and was able to compete in women's sport and of course broke all the records because men are, men are not women. Women are not men. God has created us male and female. Um, who would have believed that we would be in the position today? We have certainly become fools. You know, this is exactly what the Bible says in chapter 1 of Romans, uh, which, which is now many people are, are believing as a prophetic uh, pronouncement of what's happening in the world today just before the end times. This is what the, uh, the Apostle Paul says. Again, this is Romans chapter 1, verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up, gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, Paul continues. He says, for this reason, God gave them up. There's that word again, gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is, saint, what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. You know, this is the bottom line. America, I believe, is not featured prominently in Revelation or in Bible prophecy and end times prophecy because America is quickly becoming irrelevant. We may be, in fact, very close to the time that the Apostle speaks of when the restrainer, this restraining force of evil, is actually taken out, lifted out, raptured out. The Bible teaches that there is a horrible seven-year period uh, that is coming. It's exactly seven years. The Bible describes it in, in no, numerous terms, in, in as far as weeks, time, times, and half a time, which is 42 months twice. The prophet Zechariah writes this. He says, that day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry. It's called the day of Jacob's trial. Who's Jacob? And Jacob is Israel. The purpose of the tribulation is given to us by the prophet Daniel. It's the same place, by the way, in, in, this, in this chapter for Daniel, that Daniel gives us the prophecy of the 70 weeks. You've probably heard that before. A week is seven years. Uh, if you count up the number of years that Daniel speaks of, there's 69 of the 77-week periods that have already been used up, have already expired. They all expired at the time when Jesus was put to the cross. He was cut off. But there's one seven-year period that remains. Daniel tells us actually the purpose of the tribulation. Why would God have a, a tribulation period, a time of horrible distress and discomfort and darkness and gloom? Daniel says this. He says, to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That period is soon coming. Now, we will not be here to see that day. 
I, I sure hope you're a Bible believer. I sure hope you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life because we are, as the body of Christ, are the ones that are restraining. And we will be taken away prior to the tribulation, prior to the revealing of the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. And we know this because Paul writes about this specifically. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writes, And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. You know, Paul mentions the lawlessness one, the lawless one, and is coming in the very next, in the same sentence, he says, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. We know there's a seven-year period coming. It's going to be a very difficult time. But from the Lord's perspective, the Antichrist is revealed and then will be destroyed. You know, my friends, uh, the primary reason that America is not found in Bible prophecy is because it will become, it has become, irrelevant. We had a good run. Over 200 years of moral leadership, a superpower that protected borders, fought global wars for the sake of humanity, and America was most benevolent to its defeated enemies, rebuilding their economies, making them allies, and also sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to a hungry world. But as Romans 1 says, we have unfortunately become fools. I want you to look up because your redemption is drawing near. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this. Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Baer's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period, including the Great Tribulation. Available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Baer. Get your copy today.